My Lord. Put that in writing, and you're now Nostradamus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Jamie. Uh, you don't can know. tell people now what they're going to have for kids. You can go up to women and touch their bellies. <laughs> It's it's it, it's a boy. I you got two. I'll really freak. I have a kid. I know. I know. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. They're tearing low. That's a boy. Yeah. They once drove to Vancouver from Edmonton to go to the Grey Cup in a Toyota Matrix with summer tires. While listening to the entire tragically hip discography, they love their Canadian football. John Fraser, a Winnipeg Blue Bombers fan and sports reporter from Saskatoon. Does this mean I have to start researching? And Travis Cura, a Saskatchewan Rough Riders fan and radio announcer from Red Deer. Does anybody want to do fantasy dancing with the stars next uh, season? Bring you the Two and Out CFL podcast. Every week, Fraser and Cura will deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Can't forget the nonsense. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out Podcast. Ready, set, hunt! Welcome to episode 24 of the... Are you recording? Yes, I am. <laughs> Welcome to episode 24 of the Two and Out <laughs> CFL Podcast. And you know what I when I say, let's go, let's record, that means I'm recording. It doesn't mean you have to, like, I know I haven't been around a lot, but I still remember how to hit the giant red button on the thing that makes the voice go into the box. <laughs> We're back. And now, honestly, I had thought around episode three that we had jumped the shark. And maybe like last year could be, you know, considered like a new season premiere because that rant, that was a cliffhanger, man. I think everybody wants to know if you're okay, uh, if if you're, you know, in the Saskatoon City Hospital recovering from a stroke you may have had. But uh, first things first, are you okay? I'm I'm fine. I appreciate your concern. I appreciate the concern of all the listeners. Uh, I am good. Uh, I am happy to say though that uh, Max's one piece of bomber gear has been put to the back of his closet. <laughs> nice. uh, and uh, we have rumors that the guys from the Eskimo Empire podcast are jumping on and saying, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! There's a baby that we can corrupt. Let's do it." So uh, the boys. First off, a shout out to the boys from the Eskimo Empire podcast. Nothing's arrived yet, but uh, they've definitely reached out for my home address. So. Uh they said they got to get Max in the right color of green, as we are living in Saskatchewan. But no, I'm fine. I've accepted the fact that my team sucks. I'm not even going to watch the game this Friday, because why would you? I mean, well, give me one reason to. So I can watch Ricky Ray eviscerate the Argos or the Bombers like it's 2002, and Jason Moss is coming off the bench. But the one game I am going to be watching, though, this weekend is I, I get a lot wrong in my life and on this podcast. But if the Ottawa Red Blacks win, they get 12 wins on the season. <laughs> hey, wait, it's the last game at Sky Dome ever. Don't you want to watch that? <laughs> oh, that is clearly a reason to watch a team that's going to be resting their starters and a team that just doesn't have any CFL-worthy starters. <laughs> now, before we really get into it, I, I do want to you know, uh, get to that Red Blacks game because I do have some news here. We do have a uh, friend of the podcast joining the show a little bit later on. Yes, we do. Sportsdance Jamie Thomas. He was one of our first guests on the Two and Out CFL podcast, and he's going to become the first two-time guest on the pod. We'll be speaking with him a little bit later. Of course, he does a lot of great stuff with the CFL on Sportsnet.ca, an all-around great guy, great broadcaster. Make sure you watch him on late nights on Sportsnet. Now, of course, way back in June, we had a message mm -hmm. from our friend Tyrell. At the time, he didn't have the moniker. 
Now no. he does. And he wasn't an intern on the show, which, by the way, I have a quick... <laughs> uh, you and I, before we came to air, were talking about picks made, and Brazilian Ty, as he is now known... Went out and said, hey, man, you know what? Every day, every Thursday, I'm going to text you and remind you to make your picks on the Pick'em website. He hasn't? I just, no, I just went back and realized that I've missed at least five weeks on the Pick'em website, mostly out of frustration, another one out of, you know, having a newborn son. But uh, I don't know, man. Like, I, I think there's got to be an extra, like, uh, waxy strip in there just because Tyrell has kind of failed as an intern. Or we should make him pay Blair, the winner of the 2NL TFL Podcast Fantasy League. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Uh, at least uh, Blair, the winner of the league, uh, uh, sandbagging SOB, said, oh, we'll be sure I to get Blair played on, fantasy uh, football probably before. next week uh, to talk about you know his strategy, how his season went, and you know all kinds of good stuff. Yes. Uh, I did take it up with him. I'm like, man, we got to get him on the show because, man, he, he was the highest score in the week, too. So it's been no fluke. It has not been a fluke, Blair. Your team is awesome. Our team was awful. Uh, and I'll make sure that Travis gets you your uh, maple glazed donuts and your double-doubles. <laughs> now, of course, we did go a little bit off the rails there. But before Tyrell had the moniker Brazilian tie at the beginning of the year, he had said that if the Ottawa Red Blacks win 12 games this year, like Which John I predicted. Said, yes, like you said, that they can and probably will do, then... <laughs> He would get a Brazilian wax. Well, Mm -hmm. he sends me this text message on Sunday. So I was talking to my friend. She figures we won't be able to find a place that will wax a dude. We might have to do it ourselves. Oh, no! So I put the the word out on Twitter. Uh, The Deflatriots (laughs) from the 2-and-out Fantasy League had suggested that Blair, the winner, has to do it. Oh, that's not a bad idea. But I did some Googling. Okay. I found a salon in Winnipeg that specializes <laughs> in uh, aesthetics for men. So. <laughs> oh, please tell me it's at least in a good part of town. Well, the address is 873 Notre Dame. I don't know where that is. I, I, I think I have a vague recollection of where that is uh, from my time growing up in and around Winnipeg uh, with my family. Uh, I don't think it's too knifey-stabby. Um, <laughs> you're right near a health sciences center, so, oh, I mean, if the Brazilian goes really, really bad, uh, you know, you, you things could be bad. Yeah, it's, uh, it's near Winnipeg Ave. It looks uh, super shady. But uh, you, but then again, there's a lot of, like, again, this is coming from a guy that spent a significant part of my youth in Winnipeg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of places in Winnipeg. Actually, you know what? That's downtown. That is a little stabby. So- uh, you're not far from the MTS Center, but uh, like I said, uh, you are close enough to a health sciences center that if things really go badly, uh, you know, you could be able to rush them over there. So the big thing here is, now I'm learning, I'm reading these and... I don't think I'm very comfortable with reading these terms on the air. <laughs> you know what? If, uh, if, we, if we determine in post-production, the Angry Elk's got to come out. Let's make it happen. So we got to figure out what uh, package to go with here, pun intended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or do we or do we wait on this until we see if the Red Blacks... Maybe we do. Maybe we, maybe we do have to do that. But I think... We've been calling him Brazilian Thai all weekend, all year long. I think it's called the Manzillin. <laughs> That's what this website says. 
Oh, well, that's... <clears throat> wow. Um, there we'll are get some into... parts that they wax here that I have never heard of. Okay, well, let's... <clears throat> I'm going to bookmark <clears throat> this website. You bookmark that website. This is what we call in our business a tease. <laughs> and if the Ottawa All Caps win their 12th game when they host Hamilton this weekend in a sold-out sold out contest... no Jeff Matthews. <laughs> yes. So I'm thinking... If they win that 12th game, we go into explicit detail with Tyrell on the line as to what's going to happen. I think, and again, I, I, I unfortunately won't be part of the Grey Cup convoy, but I'm sure lots of other podcasters will go in my steed and make sure that this gets done and this gets done properly for maybe the greatest call since Babe Ruth called a shot in, the, in a baseball game. Deal. I cannot wait. Yeah, just again, just wear your uh, wear a flak jacket. It does. I, I take that back. It does look a little stabby there. Don't blow it, Hank Burris. Don't <laughs> blow it. I've never been a bigger fan of any team ever, except like the Bombers and the Grey Cup, than I am of the Red Blacks this weekend. I'm actually going to make a point. What day is that? Ah, uh, you Saturday. know what though? Saturday. I'm going to be busy Bowl. Saturday. Canadian Bowl. The nice thing is though, because of the time change everywhere else in the world, except for Saskatchewan and Atacoka, Ontario. It's only 3 o'clock, so the Canadian Bowl kicks off at 1 here, the national championship game. Hopefully, I'll be celebrating with some members of the Hilltops and their parents and everybody like that. We'll imagine I have that game on, hopefully, during the celebration. Although, I don't think anybody <laughs> will be paying attention. I'm just going to try to find a way uh, for getting like, little Max in the Canadian Bowl. Wait on the celebration here. We've got to see the score in the Ticats Red Blacks game. <laughs> Well, everybody will be so confused because, you know, game will be over. Game will probably be over at uh, at the latest 4 o'clock our time here. I'd imagine this Tabby's Red Blacks game will be over at around 6. And all of a sudden, they'll see me spark up a whole other celebration. Woo! If Ottawa wins their 12th game. So I'll be like the second wind at the party. Again, pending they win. Pending they win. If not, I'll be the only guy cheering that day. Let's get to the news. In the Huddle with Fraser and Kura on the Two and Out podcast. Obviously, the biggest news point of the weekend, I, I think, would have to be the Grey Cup halftime show. Yeah, I, some real mixed reaction to Fallout Boy. And it um, always is. It, uh, see, it, see, I'm one. Now, when I came out on Twitter and I started saying that we should have a Canadian act, this is not me saying it shouldn't be Fallout Boy. To me, Fallout Boy fits the bill. They're yep. popular, they have mass appeal, you've all heard some of their songs, and from all accounts, it sounds like they're going to put on a live performance. Now, that being said, I do have a beef with the fact that they've elected to not go Canadian at the Grey Cup halftime show, and I know I got into it with some people on Twitter, but here's here's my point. You know, if people tune in for the halftime show, let's go ahead and showcase some Canadian talent. I don't think... And there's numbers out there that might prove me wrong, but I don't think there's a single person that during the Justin Bieber Grey Cup tuned into Justin Bieber at the halftime show and said, well, might as well stick around for the rest of the game. I mean, I get it. Eyes are drawn to your halftime show, but every time I've watched a halftime, it's been like, here's 10 minutes of a performance. It's not like you get any highlights or recaps or get anybody sticking around. I mean, they switch over real quick and then switch back. So if we're going to have this time, you know, what's the point of drawing in these extra viewers when they're not going to stick around or see any of the advertising you've sold? So 
I think we should be taking it. And to me, the name that keeps coming up, and we've reached out to them, it's just their schedules haven't lined up just yet. And they're in the Germany. Arcals. Like, they're in Germany right now or something. So it, it, Exactly. Maybe this is something we get to into later weeks. We have reached out to the Arkells, and we are going to talk to them on an upcoming episode. But they're one band that comes to mind. They're on the verge of being very big. They're selling out shows across the country. And they opened the Grey Cup. They didn't play halftime at 2011 when you and I were there. But I remember turning to you and say, Trav, these guys are going to be huge they're slowly blowing up worldwide to me they would have been a great pick you could always go classic canadian i know brazilian ty i don't know how serious he was or not said hey what about uh, what about trooper what about trooper i mean there's so many good canadian rock country pop artists i mean you look if you want mass appeal there's drake there's the weekend that are both doing big things in the pop world obviously you and i are skewed rock what was the last time the tragically hit played the great cup halftime oh four in ottawa that's something that they should be looking at again. They should almost be regular. I know you and I, we are not Nickelback fans. I thought they'd put on a pretty good show in 2011. They did. Yep. There's, there's another band that, that people should be looking at. I, I, I'm not, again, I work at a country music station. I'm not the world's biggest country music fan, but I know there's a ton of great country music artists out there. Jess Moskaluk is up and coming. She's won two times Canadian Vocalist of the Year. Dallas Smith. Like, the list just goes on and on and on with so many people you could have picked to give them this national exposure that are all worthy of it. I mean... The, the number one feedback I got back, and this actually pissed me off, is when people said, well, I want good, not Canadian. Give your head a shake. What are you talking about? All these guys are good. Take the eight seconds, get out of your bubble, and go on. You know what? You can subscribe to Spotify or Apple Music for next to nothing these days. Look up some of these artists. Give them a listen, and don't get out of your bubble. They're all good. Trust me. I, <laughs> there's artists that I haven't even mentioned on this pod that are worthy of Grey Cup halftime that I probably have never listened to. Now, we're probably going to talk uh, about this a little longer than we should, and that's okay. It's a, it's a good debate to have. Now, I wrote about it on cflpass.ca. I am okay with uh, the pick of Fall Out Boy. Now, I'm not, I'm not a Fall Out Boy fan per se. It's easy to look at them and think of them as the band 10 years ago that was fitting in with all those other you know, pop punk acts like Good Charlotte and Simple Plan and all that. Yeah. And it's very easy to do that. But they went away for four years. They just came back two years ago. And they have been releasing some actually really high energy. And I know people have said, oh, they haven't done any hits. Yeah, they have. They're, they're well, have you heard that, that Uma Thurman jam? Or what's that What's that song that, like, everybody's Light playing? Like, thank you. Yes, that's right. And that's even somebody made the good point of... Uh, some Ryder fans were complaining about it. It's like, uh, hey, hey, guys, guys, what's, yeah. hey, guys, guys, your team comes out to that song. Like, it is a great sports anthem, and I have no problem with that. And now you go on their Twitter, the lead singer has 3 million followers. The yeah. band is like 1.8 or something like that. So it gives the league exposure. But now it's a, kind of a philosophy that you need to talk about. Do you want to use the Grey Cup? to give Canadian bands exposure, or do you want to use these big bands to give the Grey Cup exposure? Well, I don't think it gives the Grey Cup exposure. I don't. I don't. I get it there's a spike in eyes at halftime, but you can't tell me there's a direct correlation between that spike in eyes and more butts in the seats for years going forward. It's the same thing. I just... Generally, if you are if you were tuning in just to watch Fallout Boy you probably have no interest in football already. To me, will I stick around through halftime this year and watch Fallout Boy? Absolutely. 
Did I turn away when Justin Bieber was on? Absolutely. I switched to the Sunday night NFL game during that. I, I, I just, I don't think that people, like the idea is you get people for halftime and, oh, they stick around and watch football. If they're not a football fan, they're not going to stick around anyways. I mean, the Grey Cup is already one of those things that everybody, it, it's like the Super Bowl. Everybody makes a point of watching it, football fan or not. Usually I'm in a room with, I'm explaining the game to at least two or three people, and I have no beef doing that. That's part of it. It's a cultural thing. It's, hey, let's go watch, let's go watch this. But I have no issues with, uh, with Fall Out Boy at all. So I don't think, I'm not a fan of halftime shows in general. Uh, I feel like it takes away from what we're really there for, and that's celebrating the game. That's a whole nother discussion. But for me, how do we know that they didn't ask any of these, uh, you know, really popular Canadian bands? Because normally this is announced in September. So I'm mm. really shocked that this only came down to, you know, three weeks before the game. I thought the weekend would be a good choice. That guy, or they, <laughs> are really, really hot right now. And they're actually in Winnipeg, I think, the Friday of Grey Cup or something like that. But mm. the Sunday, they're in Calgary. So there's all kinds of tour schedules. And, you know, they, they, they want bands that, or, or bands want to do it. If they got an album coming out or they just put one out, if they got a tour happening right now. I don't think anybody complained about Lenny Kravitz. Like, that was a great show. He's not Canadian. And my thing here is, man, not. Neither of the quarterbacks in the Grey Cup are going to be Canadian. Just give me some good entertainment. You know what? I think we're going to have to agree to disagree on this one because I think we should be showing it's our national game. It's our national pride. We should be showing uh, some talent uh, that we have up and coming in Canada. There's lots of good Canadian talent. Uh, I mean, let's face it. You and I are usually up going for a pee and grabbing a, our like eighth beer at halftime. Yeah, and I can see I can see it from both sides of the fence. I, I totally get it. I, I don't think it was a wrong decision, though. No, uh, like a lot no, of people I, are no, absolutely. It was not a wrong decision. It's a difference of uh, philosophy there. So, yeah, we'll agree to disagree. Now, uh, another thing I wanted to talk about before we get Jamie Thomas on the line was, uh, did you see the big Grey Cup sign that they unveiled? Yeah, that if you take a photo with it and tweet your favorite team, that it'll change the colors of your favorite team. Yeah, and this thing's huge. I guess it's like seven feet tall, I don't know, 50 feet wide or something like that. And I guess it's going to be at every single Grey Cup right now. So in uh, Winnipeg, it is in the Forks. And uh, I I had tweeted the CFL saying that Grey Cup activity number 538, stand by the Grey Cup sign and tweet... (laughs) The rival team's colors of the fans taking a picture with it. <laughs> like, just imagine this. There's a Ticats fan taking a selfie with the Grey Cup sign, and there's me tweeting, uh, hashtag Grey Cup, hashtag double blue, and it becomes Argos colors. Yes! I, I, I can just imagine you buried behind a grassy knoll with your phone, a box of donuts, and your big beard just kind of poking out and just constantly tweeting the whole... You would spend a whole day doing that. My Grey Cup Friday night is planned. Right after the Spirit of Edmonton, I am going to that sign. And <laughs> There you go. Watch watch for a large man lurking by the sign. <laughs> hey, let's get our uh, friend of the podcast, Jamie Thomas, on. We're joined by friend of the program, friend of mine, and friend of yours, one Mr. Jamie Thomas from Sportsnet Connected, and he is now the first ever guest to appear on Two and Out Twice. Jamie, that's a prestigious honor for you, man. Yeah. Uh, do I get what for this? <laughs> Um, next time I'm in Toronto, a maple glazed donut Deja and vu. a double-double. <laughs> one, 
one of those Toronto Maple Leaf donuts at Tim Hortons. That's what you're going to get. <laughs> That's right. That's, there we go. I'll come to Toronto. I'll personally deliver you a stale Dion Phaneuf donut. Yeah. Yeah. And... Or- and Ivanka Osmak, uh, Tim Hortons donut. Yeah, I know. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, I'll give you one with Ivanka. So, oh, I couldn't find a Jamie one, so here's Ivanka. <laughs> That's right, because there isn't one. <laughs> we got you the next best thing. Here's here's Ivanka's. Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> At least they don't have one for McAuliffe, because, you know, it's just like his, his dome would blend in with a donut, and you wouldn't know where the icing started and ended. You don't even need to add glaze. Tim, do not listen to this program, and I did not laugh at you. <laughs> uh, I don't think hey. this is funny at all. No, no. Hey, I've, I've won See, I'm one. I'm even pushing buttons. I'm not protesting by pushing the buttons on my phone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it looks like Jamie suddenly got disconnected. Hey, I, I won Funniest of the Week once, uh, yeah. so I think I'm allowed. That basically makes me a producer of the show. Yeah, that's true. You bring it in, and you decide what happens. That's, That's right. Yeah, <laughs> we're going to let this roll. We're not cutting this out of the show. <laughs> uh, but what we won't, we definitely won't cut out of the show is uh, some actual football talk. We've been known for our nonsense, but we've also been known for our football talk. We head into the last week of the season. Everything's essentially all wrapped up in a neat little package. Winnipeg and Saskatchewan suck. Montreal also just misses. Uh, is there any surprises that Winnipeg, Saskatchewan, Montreal, the three teams that missed the postseason to you, Jamie? I, I, to me, I don't. I, I, you know, you do, you always have doubts about Winnipeg. That's just the thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. one, of the, one of the most poorly ran franchises in the CFL. Yeah. Um, so I don't. I mean, a new stadium. You almost whenever there's a new stadium, you have a new sense of hope. And I, I imagine being a Bomber fan, that was. That was what you have. So you have a state-of-the-art facility. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, everything seems to be coming up roses. Michael Chaser, head coach, very passionate individual, uh, a guy that played with his heart on his sleeve. So this is what you expect as a head coach. Maybe you get the best out of the players, but it's the guys that get brought in that matter. And uh, this is just another nightmare of a season for the Bombers. So I'm not surprised about them. Uh, Saskatchewan and I had my doubts. Uh, when they cleaned house, I thought there'd be a little bit of a turnaround. But mm-hmm. uh, there's a long way to go for the Rough Riders. And um, it's clear as as the Rough Riders go, it almost seems like the C- the attention span with the CFL goes with that. So, right, uh, yeah. It, they are the flagship, pro- the flagship team of the CFL, win or lose. And uh, if the Riders are struggling, I think sometimes the league struggles with them uh, in terms of attention, in terms of numbers. Um, but uh, I would not see Saskatchewan being as bad as they are. And for the Montreal Alouettes to miss the playoffs, too, uh, and you knew there was problems when Tom Higgins got replaced, but I thought Jim Pop would turn things around. And he always seems to find the right people to get the Alouettes into the playoffs, and he just couldn't mm-hmm. seem to work his magic uh, as, as head coach on the, on the field. So to me, this, this says to me that uh, Jim Pop has to focus and be a general manager and stay yeah. away from these, these types of situations. I know... I don't know if it's an ego thing, but I think that from now on, find whoever you're replacing, get a decent head coach in there, and uh, get this team back to where they used to be. Cause I, I realize it's tough to replace an Anthony Calvillo, but what happened on the field this year in terms of quarterbacks, uh, a disaster. And I, I'm really disappointed the Alouettes didn't give Brandon Bridge more of an opportunity because they said he, they, they had full faith in him, and they spoke very highly of him when they drafted him. And I realize he's a Canadian, but I think the league has been talking about for this for so many years that we're going to try and make it easier and make a, a better adjustment and get the Canadian quarterback in there. Here's a guy that's got a cannon for an arm and has a great future ahead of him, but you didn't give him the opportunity when things were looking poorly and, and things were going well for your organization. So I was pretty disappointed in that way. But 
For sure, Winnipeg. I'm not surprised, but Montreal and Saskatchewan, the way Saskatchewan struggled this year, I am shocked. Absolutely. Of those three, Jamie, who do you think, who are we going to give some collective hope to for next season uh, already? Uh, again, league's already looking towards next season before the playoffs even begin for those three teams. Who of those three, who's got the best chance of just making it to the playoffs next year? I I, I just think the way Montreal and Jim Pop has done things, and yes, he, he's not the right guy as a head coach for them, but I, I believe they'll get the right guy in place. And Montreal... Has been in the playoffs so many times. It's the first time, I believe, '95 that they've missed the postseason. So I think they'll be the one quickest to recover from this. Uh, clearly, they got to make a decision who's their guy at quarterback. I know they have injury problems throughout the year, uh, but I see Montreal recovering the fastest. Uh, Winnipeg lost cause until they make some changes in the front office, and uh, Saskatchewan still has a long way to go. And uh, so, to me, Montreal is the answer for the team that's going to recover the fastest. Now, <laughs> there's been a lot of talk. I know uh, Jim Pop did not make the trip to Edmonton. Do you think yeah. he still stays with that team? I know they said he had vertigo or something like that, but yeah, he's an illness singer. Yeah, there that was the rumbling. So yeah, it's, it's, it, it is odd, isn't it? It's just um, maybe there's a falling out with with ownership. That's the hard part. But I, I, Jim Pop has done so many things for this organization. I don't know how that would happen. He's, and he's brought he's brought in so many good players. Uh, their defense is still one of the best in the CFL, so I don't know if there's a change in philosophy. We, we've seen this happen uh, in Toronto where you seem like you have the right guy running the ship, but uh, ownership and, other, and the new people coming in have other ideas. So uh, it, it, is it a cover-up? Hard to say. But, man, would that be a story at the end of the season if Jim Bopp is no longer with the Montreal Alouettes? Especially if he emerges in a place like Saskatchewan. Now, that one, that's interesting. I mean... So many names popping up for that job, right? His his name, Higgins' name, your name, my name, Trav's <laughs> names, uh, Jim from Pop down Nagel. the street. Yeah, exactly. Uh, uh, that's almost one I don't want to s- speculate on just yet. But is there? Have you heard anything? I mean, uh, from your sources or anybody at Sportsnet or any of your friends, family, your barber that uh, that, that could tell you? Maybe has there been any communication for the riders' jobs? Uh, that's that's like this has been the most well kept secret out there. But I, I mean. It was brought up, Arash Madani had said there was some discussion out there that John Hopnagel would be brought up in the conversation for the Rough Riders job. And I've come to trust Arash over the years for some reason. Yep. I don't know why, because he usually is right. Uh, yep. Usually when there's smoke, there's fire. And, and I know there's you know, there's some situations going on in Calgary right now. He's, he's, I don't know if he's been pushed upstairs as general manager, because I know he still loves to coach. So maybe that's what would entice him to come back there. But I, I don't. I have a hard time believing sometimes that he would leave the Stampeders. But I never thought Wally Buono would ever leave the Stampeders either. So it is possible. Uh, and man, if if that's the case, uh, you know that's that's a, a cause for quick a quick turnaround. If anybody could do that in Saskatchewan, it, it, it would be uh, John Huffnagel. But uh, it, it's a prestige job. That's the one thing, right? It, it is yeah. the flagship team of the CFL and. Um, the, the fan base is there. The merchandise purchasing is there. The numbers are there television-wise. So why wouldn't you want to be uh, associated with the Rough Riders, especially when things are going well? Or if oh, you certainly. can turn it around. Well, certainly. You'd be a hero uh, province-wide. Uh, and speaking of quick turnarounds, have the Ottawa Red Blacks going from two wins to possibly hosting the East Final this year kind of put those other aforementioned teams, especially the, to me, they've really put the Blue Bombers to shame, and the Blue Bombers haven't figured it out since 07. Well, Ottawa's gone from two to at least 11 wins this year. Yeah, Marcel Desjardins deserves a lot of ten, a lot of you know praise, and hopefully he gets what he deserves. And, uh, you know, Rick Campbell is the head coach. Uh, what a job he's done. 
it just goes to show you. And here's the first thing. Henry Burst has been healthy all year long. And yeah, you, oh, yeah, you yep. You, you can't say that about any many teams in the CFL this year where their quarterback has been uh, not hurt all at, at any point of the season. So for Henry Burris to be healthy, important. Uh, realizing the importance of a good offensive line, again, does a good job there. And then getting the playmakers on offense, which they clearly did not have in year number one, was another big uh, thing that Marshall Desjardins went out and got. And it's turned out well. They've gone through injuries at the running back position, uh, but their defense has been solid. And uh, it, it is. It's, it really shows if you have the right people in place what you can do as an organization. And that's why Winnipeg is such a disappointment that they have not figured out as the ownership group to get the right people in place uh, to, to lead your football team. And, uh, and it's a great story because the, the Renegades were a disaster. Uh, and for the Red Blacks to come in for the, with a third time in Ottawa for CFL history in Ottawa, uh, it, it's an incredible story. And I'm, I'm thrilled that it's happened. Yeah, it, it, how can you not be happy? Because, I mean, no. you may not be an Ottawa football fan, but success in every city at some point in the CFL, you want a healthy league. So why shouldn't the expansion team be, have success right away and, and have a good head coach? And it just goes to show you the hirings from ownership on and, and how the strength of it. They've got a new building. The building's packed every night. You want that across the league. So I, I'm happy that this, is, this has happened so quickly for the Red Blacks. Hell, I'm I'm I've practically given up on the Bombers. Uh, I'm all over that Ottawa <laughs> Red Blacks uh, bandwagon this year, so I need to find me some flannel. Yeah, yes, I know. What a great idea, though, because there's nothing more Canadian than flannel. So it's just, uh, <laughs> I mean, if you're going to wear that and be, that's the right stuff you're wearing in the in the seats uh, in the cold month of November, or the cold month of yep. November for for playoffs. So especially in Winnipeg for Grey Cup, so uh, take all the flannel that you need. <laughs> It feels like the focus was on getting, you know, Ottawa back up on their feet, and yeah. I think they already are. They, they've sold out basically the past two seasons. Now, this Friday is the final game maybe that we'll ever see in uh, Rogers Center as the Argos host the Bombers. Now, the yeah. past few weeks with the Jays' success, do you think it, they've made it even harder to kind of recover and be big news next year when they move to BMO? Uh, I think it's a good – I've – I mean, regardless of ownership or who it is, I, they need a new ownership. Uh, the, the David Braley thing was a, a disaster. It's, it's, yeah. Congratulations. He saved them when they needed to be saved. Yeah. Uh, he got a couple of great cups out of the deal, too, So, and he should be rewarded for keeping the, the Argos afloat. But how he ran the team uh, is ridiculous. So yep. I, don't think, I don't think the Argonauts, even though they're moving to a new building, there's still a lot to prove. And I think the Argonaut fan base and the people that want to become Argonaut fans or, and come to the CFL, uh, I think that they're going to love, one, the facility, because BMO is beautiful. It's a beautiful facility, and I'm sure the people at TFC are not pleased about this. But still, this is the only place they could really go. It's a more intimate place. Rogers Center is absolutely a terrible place for, for CFL football. It's tough sometimes for baseball, but um, overall, they had to get out of there. And I think it's going to be much yeah. better for the league. Uh, and it's just... What does it say about the Canadian Football League? And I realize it wasn't the Argos' fault, but it just looks so terrible that yeah. the Argos started their their home openers in Fort McMurray, and then a couple of games, you know, one in Ham, a couple of games in Hamilton. Nobody's there for the last one, so yeah, uh, it's it just it's a professional league, and it did not look like a professional league because of the Argonauts and what their situation was. And whatever happened, I realize that um, the Blue Jays take precedent at. Rogers Center, um, but it just it looked awful for the league. And in a, in a year that we should be celebrating that Ottawa's back in the picture and you have nine healthy franchises, except the, the team that should be your flagship uh, organization, the Argonauts, 
uh, clearly in the biggest city in Canada. Uh, had a tough year, but despite all that, what the Argonauts have done this year is a tremendous story. And Scott Absolutely. Milanovic, Scott Milanovic should be rewarded for this. Um, yep. Ricky Ray, Trevor Harris, the defense, you know, everybody that played for the Argonauts this year. And then, uh, for Ricky Ray to be back in this, this is the right guy to lead them into the playoffs. Um, I, I love what Trevor Harris did for them, but you cannot turn your back on a guy that's, you know, won a great cup three times and will be a, a Hall of Famer. Probably was one of the greatest quarterbacks ever to play in this league. So, um, that it's it's a great story outside of that, and I'm glad this year is over for that part for the Argonauts, and I'm looking forward already to 2016 where they have new ownership and a new building. Sportsnet Jamie Thomas on the line with us here tonight. Uh, Jamie, you live actually in Toronto. We always hear these stories out here in Western Canada where we're kind of in our bit of a bubble, if you will, that, oh, yeah, nobody, nobody cares about the Argos. The Argos disappear. You know, when the Argos were such nomads and really, I mean, nationally, the Blue Jays trumped everything. But even in years that we don't have the Blue Jays playoff run, are the Argos kind of forgotten in the city? Like, what's what's the vibe like? Are they mentioned at all? Does anybody talk about them? Well, that, that's that's David Braley's fault, right? That's uh, not spending yeah. money on not, not spending money on advertising, and then where the uh, I guess the entertainment dollars spread so thinly because of all the options in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. the Argonauts don't get talked about, uh, talked about a lot, and especially when <laughs> we don't have to go in what we just talked about again. So yeah. once new ownership comes in and they're advertising and they're showing what, what a great family you know night it is to go to BMO Field or you're outdoors again and it's a CFL football. Uh, I think they'll start bringing people back. And I've been to too many Grey Cups now and seen so many, you know, been to Argonaut parties and stuff to realize there's a, there's a really good fan base of Argonaut yep. fans here. You just, the thing is, is you got to get to the next generation of Argonaut fans. And that's the big issue for, that's for the CFL period guys outside, yep. you know, outside of Western Canada, they still have to push that all the time out here. Strengthen the numbers. You have to keep going to the next generation and you have to sell that to the, to the parents and get their kids out to them to like to like CFL football enough to become future season ticket holders and um, that that's a tough battle for any for any team in Toronto if you're not the Maple Leafs or and now the Blue Jays clearly yeah for sure and especially too when when the demographics nationwide are changing so much like you said getting those young fans from new Canadian families is so important and you know fingers crossed that the Argos with some marketing dollars can do that and become like you said the flagship team of the league. They have to be. And, and yeah. I mean, and people can say, you know, get rid of Toronto. You can't. It, it's no. not the CFL without the Toronto Argonauts. And I, they sure they've, they've, whatever they are to anybody in, in the country, they're still important to the league as a yeah. whole. And you, you can't have a league and not have the world's largest or the country's largest city not represented. It just, it yeah. just won't work. I know the biggest part of uh, being a CFL fan for me is that a uh, little bit of civic pride, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was born in Yorkton, Saskatchewan, so of yeah. course I'm a, I'm a Ryder fan. Do you think yeah. the success in Hamilton and Ottawa can maybe inspire those from Toronto to be like, hey, those guys are selling out their building and mm-hmm. the, the Ticats fans are invading our yeah. building? <laughs> Will it, that maybe bring more to the park, especially in a more intimate uh. venue? It's still it's still a tough sell. Even even if the Argonauts had success year after year, it's still hard to do because it just it showed this year with the Blue Jays what baseball means to this country. I don't know if it's a bandwagon thing, but I still think a lot of people with that even with that playoff that small playoff run the Blue Jays had, I think there's a lot more interest. Little kids will start playing baseball. It's amazing what yeah. a little small playoff run will do for any sport. 
It's always going to be a Maple Leaf town. It's not a hockey town. It's a Maple Leaf town. That's what a lot of people, they say it's the center of the hockey universe. It's not. It's a Maple Leaf town. That's all yeah. That's all Toronto is. There's not people who would cheer for any team. That's why I think the uh, the illusion of a second team in Toronto, it wouldn't work out. It's just a Maple yeah. Leaf town. That's all it is. So uh, what the Argonauts have to do, it's a tough, it's tough sledding. I mean, even even if TFC with their fan base, if they start winning and with their quick playoff appearance this year, that's going to bring people back. But that's just we have because we are such a multicultural country. Soccer is such a multicultural sport, so there's always going to be TFC fans. The Raptors starting to come back in the picture are bringing more people to that. That's a younger audience for sure. Basketball is clearly a younger younger audience sport, and it's been shown. Uh, by the demographic for the Raptors. So um, I think looking on Instagram, I think it's the Blue Jays and the Raptors in terms of, you know, the most followers in those in those areas and the, the Leafs and, of course, the Argonauts way behind in that aspect. So it's just it's a tough ticket. It's a tough uphill battle for uh, Bell and, and, mm-hmm. and the other owners of the of the Argonauts. So, but, I mean, they, they have to do it. They, they've clearly with Bell's, and TSN's tie-in with the CFL, the, the the Argonauts have to succeed, and that's clearly what they're what they're stretching out to do here. Last week, uh, we saw Simone Lawrence had that uh, little mm-hmm. bit of a hit on Henry Burris. Now we did say he was basically, I think, him and Bo Levi Mitchell are they the only quarterbacks that have started every game for their yeah. team? Uh, yeah. Is is, does the, is the league doing enough to protect their quarterbacks? I do feel like a couple of the injuries, the Caleros one and the Durant one, you couldn't predict yeah. those. But yeah, are they doing yeah, enough, too? It's so hard to say. Like You can't prove sometimes that a guy's going after someone's knee. They could be just you know falling into the person, and I don't believe nine times out of ten that somebody's intentionally trying to take out somebody's knees. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think you're, they're doing everything they can. It's just the speed of the game, uh, quarterbacks taking chances, and they're going to get hit. That's just the way it works. Um, so I, there's not much else you can do outside of saying you can't hit the quarterback's period, and we know that's not, never going to happen. So I, I applaud the CFL. They've, they've taken a step forward. Uh, they realize the quarterbacks are the money makers for the league and, and, the, and the big names for the league. Um, I just believe Caleros, uh hit was unfortunate. Uh, I believe that Henry Burris is fortunate to be able to still be playing after being hit by Simone Lawrence. Um, so I think they're doing all the right things they can with outside again thing no hitting the quarterbacks and it's just it's just the way things have gone the last couple of years and the league has suffered because of it because there's just not um top level quarterbacking going on in the cfl right now and even if you look south the border guys there's eight or nine elite quarterbacks in the national football league and then there's a bunch of you know colin kaepernick is getting benched this weekend for blaine gabbert for blaine gabbert <laughs> so i mean it's just guys are being pushed it's a hard hard position to play and yep. it's not it's not. That's why they get paid the money they do. That's why Ryan Tannehill get a hundred million dollars from the Dolphins because there's nothing else out there. You yeah. can't just somebody just can't come in and play quarterback and, and lead you to the playoffs. It's just not how it works. And uh, just the way the game is and the way the transition from uh, college to the pros is is a tough transition, especially when you have change of uh, a coaching staffs, yeah. uh, change in philosophy. It's hard for the, these guys are struggling enough to learn the pro game. Never mind learning a new offensive system so it's it, it's it's tough and you get guys americans coming up and learning to play canadian football so i mean it's 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 i wouldn't want to i mean i'd love to have the attention i'd love to have the glory but i just uh, i don't think i can handle the pressure no there's and there's always a mccallan brother waiting someplace yes yes luke <laughs> and josh are always somewhere
<laughs> right. So, I mean, God love them. I mean, that's a strong quarterback family. Are they the Mannings? No. But uh, they, they at least our name starts with the same letter. <laughs> they got that going for them, which is nice. That's about it, yeah. And they both play quarterback. <laughs> now, before before we wrap it up, uh, yeah. we've had a full season uh, with the rule changes. We've seen, you know, passing numbers have definitely gone up. There's no arguing that. Do you think there's going to be a long, hard look at what those changes have done in the offseason? I know fans are still complaining, you know, about the illegal contact on the receivers, yeah. especially that rule. It didn't, it didn't open things up as much as I thought it would. <laughs> no, you're yeah. right. I thought they'd be explosive numbers this year. But, I, again, that goes back to the, the number one quarterbacks not being yeah. around this year. So I, I think until you see a full season of the top quarterbacks being healthy, which I know is pretty much impossible, yeah. uh, uh, then you're not going to see the, the true results. And, I mean, of course, there's a, there's a learning lesson. There's a learning thing for everybody. It's for the officials. It's for the players. It's for the teams. Uh, I don't think you can judge after one season, maybe two, three years into this whole thing, but I, I applaud the CFL. The changes have to be made. you got to open things up, and offense sells tickets. So, I mean, until people figure that out, you're going to have to sacrifice those types of things. Beautiful. Jamie, before we let you go, you know the rule is whatever your guests on the podcast, we make you make some picks. Uh, there's only one game that people give a damn about this entire weekend. Uh, <laughs> Hamilton. That's really uh, sad that, that, that you know, it comes down to week 20, and there's only one game that matters. Yeah, and it's uh, but it should be a slobber knocker. Sold out TD place. Ottawa Hamilton. Who do you got? Ottawa. I like it. Ottawa. Uh, Ottawa's hosting. Beautiful. I I I like it, and that uh, that'll also get my bold prediction of them getting twelve wins. Uh, correct, which I did I did say beginning of the podcast, beginning of the year. My lord, put that in writing. And you're now Nostradamus. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, Jamie, uh, you don't can know tell if... people now what they're going to have for kids. You can go up to women and touch their bellies. <laughs> it's a boy. It's it's it, it's a boy. I you got to. I'll really freak. I have a kid. I know. I know. Hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. They're carrying low. That's a boy. Yeah. That, that's right. I knew mine was a boy, and now yours is going to be a boy. Oh, really? Freak people up and be like, "There's two in there." <laughs> I said the Red Blacks have 12 wins. I know. Just hold on. Maybe we are becoming the view. <laughs> and, now Jamie, and I have a kid. Did everybody listen to you when you're, if you're a father? People listen to you all of a sudden. I, I no, feel like I, I need to. Not even your own children listen to you when you're a father. No one listens to you. You're really, you're really encouraging this process, Jamie. I'm really excited. Yeah. At four, so you can have four people that don't listen to you in your house. <laughs> Fantastic. I feel like I need a monocle and a cigar and just need to give out fatherly advice. <laughs> that's why Dad stopped talking after a couple of years. It was like, nobody listens to me, so I'm just going to stop talking. And see, that's why you have your platform at National Television. That's right. Then somebody has to listen to you. <laughs> and then you also become a commissioner of a fantasy football league, then everybody has to listen to you in your league. Yeah. You some, some type of control in your life. That's all that's, it is. That, Nowhere that, else. And that's all I have going for me right now, my friend. That's right. It's the little things. It's the little it's, things. There we go. Jamie, a quick Grey Cup pick from you. One word, that's all we need. Uh, let's go Eskimos. I thought it would be Stamps at the beginning part of the year, but I'll go Eskimos. Beautiful. Jamie Thomas, Sportsnet Connected. Uh, people can watch you the late night one with Carly Agro, correct? Yes. Uh, 11. Uh, what's, guys, I get so confused with Saskatchewan time. I totally. Let's go it, Alberta time. It's Alberta We're time, at, yes. 10 o'clock. <laughs> Oh, 11, sorry. 
11. 11. We, we, fun fact, we actually, in this phone conversation, we span three time zones. It's uh, just <laughs> after 9 o'clock where Jamie is. It's just after 8 o'clock where I'm at, and just after 7 o'clock where Travis is. Yep. So, hey, Canada! Right on, Travis. Say hello. We cover everything. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful. Thank you again so much, Jamie, and uh, we'll be in touch. Okay, take care. All right, uh, thanks again uh, to Jamie Thomas for coming on. Some interesting uh, point of views there because, uh, of course, he is, or is it points of view instead of point of views? It's uh, points points of view? I don't know. I think, I think so. that's what it is. I don't like, know. That's that's complicated, but whatever. He's in, <laughs> he's in <laughs> Toronto, so he gets to help us out, you know, because... It's not like you and I just go to Toronto every day. No, uh, uh, I haven't been there since 2007, and I'm from Ontario. <laughs> yeah, so thanks to him uh, for helping us out with that. Now, John, did you get a chance to see the Simone Lawrence hit on Mr. Henry Burris? I, I have. Um, like Jamie said, it's always so tough to tell if a guy's targeting him. I, I, I It was in the area that there's enough for debate, but let's face it, you... What's been the mo on on Henry Burris through his whole career? You can't tackle him high because He's he'll break strong. the tackle. Yeah, you have to go low on Henry Burris. I think that's what Lawrence was doing. I don't think the intention was there to go for the knee. I think the intention was there to hit Henry Burris low, which again is the only way to really stop smiling Hank. He's a big man, so uh, it it doesn't look great. But I don't know if the ill intent was there, especially when you when you see it. On the replay, when you saw it in live game action, of course, you're going to be upset. And I'm sure there's Red Blacks fans that aren't going to agree with this assessment. It's one of those that, yes, he did. No, he didn't. But, uh, again, it's a moot point if if he goes to the left leg. But where else was Lawrence, where else was Lawrence going to tackle? You have to take down Smiling Hank low, And he, that was the leg that was open for uh, for contact. And uh, the debate does rage on on Twitter between uh, the Ticats fans and our nation. For me, do you think Henry would have been as fired up if he didn't kind of bang up his knee the week before? I, I don't. I, I think he may have been because I think he he has earned a certain bit of uh, respect over his long CFL career. But if anything, I think it kind of woke him up a little bit. I mean, that was a not a great football game, not played in great conditions. But I thought Hank, after he took that shot, really uh, looked more like the Henry Burris we've seen this year, who could potentially be the most outstanding player in the league. There was some stats going around that his QB rating dropped off after that. I think they got in his head, uh, honestly. A a little bit, yeah. I mean, face it, too. For Henry Burris right now, first hosting first the East Final would be ideal, but it's not necessary for the Red Blacks. You've got a home playoff game. They feel like they can probably beat anybody anywhere at any time. So for Henry Burris, I think his biggest worry was, i got to get out of this healthy. Yeah, absolutely. And and this season, I feel like it's been a little bit of a different Henry Burris. When he was in Hamilton, and I, and I know it was a really hard situation, it could have been Joe Montana at quarterback for the Tiger Cats uh, as they were playing Saskatchewan at home in the 2013 Grey Cup. Uh, the game started, and he was flustered. And yeah. uh, it seems like the Henry of the past, you could really get in his head and really fluster him. This year, I haven't seen that at all. No, and and you're bang on. And, and it's almost like 
his mental game getting stronger has what's led to a lot of the yeah. success that he's had uh, so far this year and really a resurgent year. And again, if I'm picking the most outstanding player, I if I had a vote, and I mean, I am a like maybe I do have a vote. I don't know. I don't ask <laughs> these things. I'm a CFL reporter. Um, but if I did have a vote, I'd definitely be going for Henry Burris. I mean, how can you, you look what he's done with a team that had two wins a year ago and look what he's done. To me, he still gets extra points for doing it at 42. And, yep. and, and I can't think of anybody else that's been consistently better than Henry Burris. That's bent no. more to their team. That's Mylon Hank. And my, my question here though, it's, I always cringe every single time a defender tackles like that, and I know yeah. they are uh, they're taught to tackle like that, but I, I don't get how they're allowed to do that to running backs and receivers, but quarterbacks aren't fair game. I, I cringe when they do it to receivers and running backs too. I, I feel like those they, they launch themselves like missiles at their legs. Uh, maybe that needs to get out of the game. Well, if you're... Uh, see, that's always a tough, tough call. You're right. Like that's guys get hurt on those, and yeah, you you cringe and you and you worry about these guys that that take those hits. But if you're gonna say no low blows whatsoever, I mean, you might as well make it a touch football league. I mean, like there's nothing, there's nothing you can really do. And and again, I get it. You have to protect the quarterback because look what happens to a team when their their quarterbacks out. You, you have a receiver that misses a game or two. Teams can usually manage, but. Again, look at all the the struggles teams have had with quarterbacks. Yeah, <laughs> pretty much all of them. Seven out of nine of them. Yeah, exactly. And look, look at how much bad play we've seen because of it. I mean, we're probably. I mean, to me, Hamilton probably finishes first in the East and wins the Grey Cup if it wasn't for uh, Zach Caleros. But I mean, yeah, you, I think football's at the point that. They've done enough about the heads heads and everything that you just like, what else can you do? You can't make a safe hitting zone on a quarterback because, all, all, like, imagine if you could only hit Darian Durant or Henry Burris up high. You'd never bring him down ever. Yeah. But you can wrap him up around the waist. I mean, that's... You, you, you can't. Guys that are that strong, you can't. Watch watch how many guys fail on guys like Burris and Durant. Well, Tyrell Sutton was running over the Eskimos uh, until they got down, so... <laughs> You know, they they weren't hitting him low, and he was just making them look goofy in the first half. Yeah, exactly. So that's what you have to do with big boys. You just have to stop them. Otherwise, you're going to have guys that are unstoppable. And that, to me, might be the tipping point for football in general. If you say, okay, you know, I get it. You can't target a guy's knees. I'm not saying go out and target a guy's knees. But if you can't hit him low and you can't hit him high, you know, hit him in the chest, well, pfft. I then I then to me, that's when the game really deteriorates. But... I uh, wanted to bring up one more uh, point before we get to the expose. And we did talk about kind of the quarterback play struggling over not only this year, but last year as well. Do you think that's a result of the the last CBA discussions kind of cutting practice time? I don't think so. I think it's the realities that uh, quarterbacks are getting hurt more and more often that I don't think any amount of practice is going to help some guys. Look at a guy like Tino Sinceri. He practiced for three years and just wasn't good <laughs> enough. It's just the days of having one quarterback are gone, and I don't think teams are properly prepared for it. Unless, let's face it, Toronto's properly prepared for it with Ray and Harris. You know, uh, Ottawa, I would argue, too, with Bo Levi and Tate. Even Edmonton with Riley and Franklin or whomever. I think those are the only teams that... 
if their starters get hurt, they can still win a playoff game coming up here. You know, Saskatchewan was prepared, and then Glenn went down as well, and the rest of the team around them was just a poo-poo platter, but it's just, that's the new reality. You're you're going to need two quarterbacks now. You are. I mean, guys are just getting hurt more. We're more aware of injuries. There's no more guy goes to the sideline and we say, ah, it's just a stinger. Get back out there. We know, hey, that's pretty serious. You should probably sit down and relax for a couple of games, so... I don't I don't think practice time has had anything to do with it. If you watch enough CFL practices like I do, they coaches can only really ramp it up once a week without guys really, you know, falling on deaf ears anyways. So, if anything it makes it easier because now a coach can say these are my two padded practices, we got to go to the wall, right? Yep. So much more about football at every level now is video and film and, you know, even, again, as a guy that covers university football and junior football, it's more about film and knowing what the other guy's doing than actually getting out and smacking each other and hurting each other in practice these days. Let's quickly get to the expose. Time for the fantasy expose on the Two and Out podcast. Friday Night Football, the final uh, Braley Bowl of maybe ever, uh, actually, of ever (laughs) and i do need to mention that uh this is probably the final for anybody's fantasy league so they were you know uh just wrapping it up because let's face it if your league's going this week man uh you're out of some options. <laughs> well, and, and, and again, like this expose is going to be very different. We're going to keep this super short. We're going to look at a couple performances and kind of summarize the games real quick. Because, again, not a lot of meaningful football. However, a quick fantasy tip. I know people have reached out to us. If you are, if your league is going this week for whatever reason, load up on as many Thai Cats and Red Blacks as you possibly can because they're the only ones playing meaningful football. Yeah, or if you're playing a TS, TSN Fantasy. If you really want to take a flyer on some guys, yeah, you can still play TSN Fantasy, but still load up on Tigats and Red Blacks. If you really want to take a flyer, that's maybe you take you know take a shot at some of these teams that are going to be playing some backups. Do you think Keith Price can do something in his first start with Saskatchewan? Grab him. Grab a young receiver seeing a lot of targets there. Naaman Roosevelt. Uh, outside of a lot of these teams, they're going to be resting guys. I mean, you look at every team in the playoffs is going to be resting guys, uh, and other teams just... They just don't care. So the expose is going to be a little bit different this week. That being said, the final Braley Bowl. I'm feeling good if I'm an Argos fan. Ricky Ray looks like the Ricky Ray of old. 26-38, 227, and a touchdown. He looks good. And Jonathan Jennings, despite my initial thoughts, this is one I got wrong. He has turned out to be the real deal, in my humble opinion. 21-33, to two touchdowns, two interceptions, along with 35 yards rushing. What the heck do they do with Travis Lule next year? What NBC. do they do with him this week? Do you want to give Jennings the reps, or do you I, want to I, keep I'd, him healthy? I'd start, Jennings, I'd start Jennings in the playoff game. But what do you do with him before the final week, or do you start somebody else? <laughs> true, true. I keep getting ahead of myself because this week's already gone yeah. in my mind. My focus is all on the Canadian Bowl coming up and not yeah. on a bunch of meaningless CFL, and I know it hates to say that I host a CFL podcast and I'm saying that, but to me, I, I think you split the two reps between the two guys, but you start Jennings and the playoff game. To me, you let Jennings play the first half against Calgary. Both teams are going to have real vanilla offenses and defenses. Throw out, you know, Lule in the second half to see if he's got anything left, and then you go with Jennings in the playoff game. Maybe, uh, because maybe in Winnipeg, there's going to be guys fighting for their jobs. Saskatchewan, Montreal, maybe. But is this maybe a week where you try to target some running backs? Because maybe they're just going to be running uh, to try and get these games over with. 
Well, and that's that's another part of it, too. But I don't know if that's going to be the case. I would say so, yes, in the BC-Calgary game. Yeah. Pick up running backs there if you can. But, of course, we both know Messam, Harris, Cornish are already going to be drafted own. in most leagues. That's the only game to me that that has the least meaning of the four games this weekend because these two teams are playing each other in a week in the West semifinal. They already know they're going to be in Calgary. They're not going to show anything fancy. That game is let's go out there. Let's not get hurt. Let's see what maybe a young guy or two can do. And let's run the ball a lot. I'd be surprised if either team threw the ball more than 20 times in that one. Now, one more note on the uh, BC and uh, Toronto game. I don't think Ricky Ray looked like Ricky Ray. Now I know you thought he, Looked good. He was 26 of 38 for 227, but he was throwing some wobblers out there. I don't know if he needs more reps, if he needs the offseason to gain his strength up, but I think Toronto is going to get crushed by whoever they play in the semifinal. I would disagree because I think if Toronto runs into Hamilton, they wipe the floor with Hamilton, and uh, Ken Austin has to take a serious look at his statement to not go get Kevin Glenn. Well, I went 4-0 and in picks this week. so That uh, is the first time either of us has done that this entire year. Week 19. <laughs> wow, that is shameful for both of us. Let's move on uh, to the, uh, the, the stomping, the mopping. I don't know what you want to call it. Calgary over Saskatchewan. I did learn. Can, can, we, get, can we get the angry elk ready? Because yes. I have a good term for this one. The, okay. We don't give a f*** game. <laughs> now, I learned something at the game. Now, I went to the game, and I got to watch it at field level on the patio, yeah. which was actually a really cool perspective when the players are close to you. If they're far yeah. away, it's kind of hard. You're kind of watching the screen. Well, but, that's why you drink beer. Yeah, that was great. The Heinekens, we didn't have to stand in line. There was free pulled pork. Man. Perfect. And they were giving away prizes. My buddy ended up, he's a Stamps fan. He won a signed Corey Maesters. He was great. That's but I really think cool. The, the most important thing I learned from this game, you know the nickname that Eric Rogers has by his teammates? What's that? Cheat code. <laughs> I like it. I can't disagree. No, you can't. <laughs> he's all sorts of crazy. <laughs> he he's had another two good. touchdowns. Yeah, he is... He's insane, and I gotta say, watching watching it at that level, I just have so much more respect for the referees and the uh, quarterbacks. Oh like, yeah, they're throwing the ball, and you're like, "What?" And then the receiver runs right into it. And you're like, "That was awesome!" You know? <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> now, I did want to talk about this about the referees. Is the CFL literally the only league? Like, I feel like there's been the same refs for twenty years. I, I, I have to I, – I don't know exactly the names, but I know a lot of the guys – like a lot of the head refs haven't changed, but a lot of the okay, umpires yeah. and field crews have substantially. The head guys haven't changed. And is there any sort of – now, I'm not trashing the refs at all, but I do see the complaints all over social media, but I think they're just doing their job. I think a lot yep. of it is up to the uh, refs as well. But we will talk more about that in in the next game, uh, this Saskatchewan and Calgary game. I mean, if you had Eric Rogers at the beginning of the year, he was sort of, sort of a sleeper. Yep. People kind of forgot about him. He just came on late last year. But if you drafted him, he was your number one receiver. And, uh, and if, if you listen to us... That's, I mean, that's, if you listen to us, because we said it, we said he was going to be good. Yeah. Uh, Bo Levi was good, three touchdown passes. Keith Price, to me, is interesting in Saskatchewan. I think he's, 
I think he's jumped Brett Smith as the backup quarterback next year. Wow. Only because he's had time to learn. He's known that system for a while. He reminds me of a young Darian Durant. Uh, he's big. He's mobile. I really like what he's doing. Uh, he was 15 to 26 for 183, a touchdown and a pick. So that's going to be an interesting battle to me in Saskatchewan moving forward. He's actually going to get the start uh, this weekend against Montreal. Now let's go to the game where the question was made, Ottawa and uh, Hamilton. There was a point in the fourth quarter where I think it was Brandon Stewart made the interception to put the Ticats up 13-12, to and the CFL released a statement today basically admitting that the two penalties on that play that brought the interception or the touchdown back shouldn't have been flagged. See, I don't like it when leagues do this, and I'll no, tell you why. This I is used the to be second time this year. But you know what? I used to ref. I used to ref hockey at a very high level. And to me, your league has to have your back. And for them to come out and constantly publicly apologize, uh, you know, we screwed this up, we screwed that up. You know what? Privately suspend and discipline the crew. I can tell you, I know there's built-in discipline measures. I blew a game once, and next thing you know, I went from doing midget AAA hockey in Alberta to doing Wee AA for a couple of weekends until I got my fundamentals back. Let's stop, like, if it's as egregious as, as the Winnipeg call, I get it. Apologize to the team privately. Make an announcement that says we've reviewed the game and given out discipline, whatever. Don't come out and say, hey, look at these two penalties. They were wrong. You're completely kneecapping your refs. They're already getting it for the fans, from the media, from both sides. You you know, why make it worse by coming out and basically saying, "Uh, yeah, everybody, you're right. They really screwed that up. I feel like they're just bringing attention to it. Exactly. Like, here, here I was. I had a relatively busy weekend. And I didn't really see this, and now all of a sudden we're discussing it. It's like, well, yeah. now, now, now you've got me thinking, losing faith in the CFL refs. But uh, again, I just, I, and the only other thought I have from this game is Hamilton is at the end of the season, the post mortem. They're going to be looking at Ken Austin and going, "Why didn't you go get Henry Burris?" Or, or part of me, Kevin Glenn. Yeah, uh, and now Matthews who. It was funny, a, a few weeks ago, looked competent. Yep. Uh, and I think he does have a bright future uh, ahead of him, but all the pressure is on him right now. Why? Why does C.J. Gable get seven carries? Right. In a, in a in a windy game that both teams were, you know, they didn't know how far they'd kick. You know, they were having issues. And nobody scored with the wind. And Ottawa put the ball on the ground 18 times by the stats I have here on the league website, which, again, aren't always correct this time of the year because sometimes they're missing guys. That's a whole beef I have at the CFL website. But regardless, Gable only gets the ball seven times. They only that doesn't had, make any you know, sense. From, from, again, their math here, that's only, again, both teams didn't really, both teams kind of aired it out, which surprises me for such a windy, blustery yeah. day. Uh, again, you know, hat tip to the two kickers. Chris Milo was four for four. Justin Medlock, two for two. And I, I, I just don't understand, like, Gable, unless he's not completely 100%, when he's healthy and you get him the ball, he's one of the most dynamic, I think, running backs in the game, and you gave them nothing. And this was a really weird game because you you watched it, and it, it seemed like ev- both teams were in the red zone constantly, but they couldn't finish drives. And and I think this is what's going to catch up to either of these teams if they make the Grey Cup. Uh, yep. Ottawa, 
they couldn't punt. I know their punter got hurt. Uh, Peffer got hurt, but uh, Milo couldn't punt. No, nope. and then uh, they couldn't finish their drives. So if they run into an Edmonton or a Calgary in the Grey Cup and they can't finish drives, they're just not going to win. No, absolutely, you're bang on. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> this game, uh, really a weird game, 12-6 the final for Ottawa. So uh, a lot of people that maybe had Burris here totally got screwed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly, in the their last final. week of the season. And here you are with Henry Burris uh, playing into, uh, into a huge win. So that probably decided a couple leagues out there. Yeah, let's uh, go on to the last game of the week. Uh, Forty to twenty-two, Edmonton beats Montreal. It was a pretty close game until Edmonton uh, kind of pulled away in, in the second half. Montreal was running the ball. I feel like it was too a little too late when they made the move for Kevin Glenn. No, I would uh, I would agree as well. Uh, and for both teams, this was a, a game that both teams wanted to win. Montreal to keep their playoff chances alive. Edmonton wins. They knew that they were getting. And, and again, it came down to, hey, uh, these guys aren't going to play for like a whole another two weeks. So they had to play their starters the whole way. It was, again, one of the few games last week that had a ton of meaning. And Edmonton came out on top in a matchup uh, between the two teams. I think Edmonton's hot at the right time. They are going to be well-rested. It's just going to be a matter of rust. I mean, Chris Jones has given the guys 10 days off, 10 full days away from practice. Yeah, uh, Akeem Shavers makes his debut for Edmonton. Nine carries for 52 yards. So uh, that was a pretty good debut for him. There was a scary moment in the game. Uh, Michael Clausen uh, for the Eskimo or the Alouettes, sorry, uh, got carried off the field in an ambulance. Yeah. And uh, it turns out he's okay. It was just a really bad, just a really bad stinger. But thankfully, he's okay. That was pretty scary sitting in the stands for that. No, yeah, I could. It's always scary when you see the the ambulance come out. So glad to hear that he's uh, doing uh, all right. Uh, and yeah, Edmonton first in the uh, in the West, and then Montreal. Had they won, at least this week would have been interesting. But uh, again, we only have one interesting game this week. You did say uh, earlier in the year uh, if you uh, <laughs> if you picked up or you were quick to cut bait on uh, some receivers that were underperforming. Darrell Walker, uh, instant MVP of your team. He had yep. three touchdowns. Uh, last week I was at the game cold as hell. I think I, I can feel my toes now. <laughs> but you're right, Walker. He was a he was a great pickup midseason. He probably swung some leagues, uh, and especially to have three touchdowns in the finals week. Uh, he's the real MVP. You might want to send him a gift basket. So congratulations to the Eskimos for finishing first in the West. Uh, it was funny. Uh, to see them run into the stands after the game, Odell leading the charge, high-fiving the fans. It was it was really cool. First time since 03 the Eskimos have been in first place. We're going to get to the picks right away. I feel like, yeah, we only have really one game uh, to talk about. We'll pick the other ones just for fun, but uh, Tyrell is here. Brazilian tie, getting waxed with Brazilian tie. Hey, it's Brazilian tie once again with the sixth edition of Getting Waxed here on the 2L podcast. Now, I know what you're thinking. The Riders were awful last week, and that's where I'm going to go this week. Well, you'd be wrong. Sure, they allowed 42 points against Calgary, 29 of which were scored before halftime. You could say Bo Levi was Bo Levying again with 247 yards with three TDs and no picks. And, of course, Jerome Messam stuck it to his former team with 121 yards on 15 carries. This is pretty much low-hanging fruit for this segment, to say the least. Let's be honest. The Riders are 2-15 and, and haven't played a half-assed meaningful game since August, so I don't see the point of it anymore. I do, however... See the point in managing something else entirely. Forget about last week. Let's look ahead to this week because let's be honest, everyone is rooting for the Ottawa Red Blacks. You heartless bastards. 
Ottawa comes into Week 20 sporting an 11-6 record, good for first in the East. The loss by six or less points to Hamilton still gives them home field in the East Final. Yada, yada, yada. Down to brass tacks. An Ottawa win means only one thing for me. Utter, undeniable pain. Not only will I have lost a bet that I was so certain I would win, I included the most ridiculous wager I can remember. With the Red Blacks win, I will have to get a Brazilian wax when we are at Grey Cup in Winnipeg later this month. I'm sure by now you've heard the story and the secondary bets trying to ensure that this would happen, but now I'm praying to the football gods for one thing to go my way this year. Oh, did I mention Travis found a salon in Winnipeg that will actually wax men? And to quote the lady, I do it in a gentle way. What the hell does that mean? It is what it is. I'm a man. I made a bet. I have to pay up. So when I'm backing out of this, but I have to go through with it. If anything, it should make my leather pants fit better for Loverboy on Saturday night. Honorable mention goes to our very own Travis Kerr, who in high school actually got his legs waxed. If you've ever met Travis, you can see how this could be the worst for him, considering he's the hairier than the missing link. You can find me on Twitter, at BrazilianTie, and considering what's about to happen this week, I expect it to be busy come game day. Don't forget to donate to Travis's Movember campaign. I'm sure he will tweet out some more info if you need it. This has been getting waxed. Wait, we may have to change the name after Grey Cup to Got Waxed, but that's a story for another day. Now back to Travis and John and the Two and Out CFL podcast. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at Two and Out CFL. All right, let's uh, do the picks here. Edmonton is on bye this week, but shout out to them. They're uh, pushing really hard to get, you know, 45,000 people in Commonwealth Stadium on November 22nd. They had a promotion, $20 tickets on uh, Monday. I actually bought a couple and donated them to Kids Up Front, a charity in Edmonton that, uh, you know, brings kids that wouldn't be able to go out uh, to go to hockey or football games. So I donated a pair of tickets to that. And, Last uh, move by you, I'd recommend anybody else uh, do the same, especially at 20 bucks a ticket. How can you go wrong, man? Yeah, I feel like I'm supporting my favorite league and uh, kids. <laughs> you yeah, know, absolutely. So this, they're also doing twenty dollars tickets for college kids right now, and anyone that buys one uh, is entered into a draw to win five thousand dollars in tuition. That's a, that's a great idea. If I was going to school in Edmonton, I'd be all over that. And I feel like that's one of the things that's lacking in Edmonton. They don't really have that college. Uh, you know, section uh, they do in Saskatchewan, yeah. they do in Calgary, but the, I, I don't, off the top of my head, I don't think they do in Edmonton. So this is a big thing, uh, I think. If you could get the college kids out to the games, it would create quite the atmosphere. Well, especially Edmonton is such a great city to just easily get around. The LRT goes yeah. right to the stadium. I like, I love Edmonton for when it comes to getting to sporting events. Yeah, so uh, they're they're off this week, but uh, get your tickets for the West Final. Uh, Friday Night Football, Bombers, Argos, just for fun, uh, I'm choosing the Argos. Uh, I'm also taking the Argos. Uh, let's spin some poor young things. Can we kiss the sky? You can't bear the red because you're too damn high, but you can dance like an animal. Hamilton and Ottawa, this is the game. I feel like they should move it to Friday Night Football. Why yeah, not? <laughs> I know. I, I, I hate the fact that i got to call a Canadian Bowl at the same time as that. But, uh, again, it, it'll end afterwards. Uh, I'm going to agree with uh, with Jamie Thomas. Ottawa's at home. So, to me, it's going to be uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks. Uh, let's hear some Alanis. Yeah, me too. Ty's getting waxed. Is that everything's gotta be quick? 
NBC. This is a, a doubleheader, kind of a weird situation. They're going to play each other here. It's going to be very vanilla. And then they're going to play each other in the West Semi. Uh, just for the heck of it, uh, I think I'm going to take uh, BC here. I, I might as well. There's no sense in disagreeing. <laughs> and Calgary was doing a thing, too, uh, on Wednesday. They did a six-hour sale where you could get tickets for 18 bucks. So uh, get those playoff tickets for cheap, fill the stadiums. And then on Sunday, it is Saskatchewan and Montreal. Just bury it. <laughs> you know what? Just let's, uh, yeah, let's, uh, can we pick a tie? <laughs> can I pick a tie? Watch, watch this game be like 52 to 45. You know what? Out of all the games, I think this one has the most potential to be entertaining because there's good pieces on both sides. You know, I, I think the Riders are going to win. No, I don't. I think Hamilton will take a certain piece of pride in making are sure the Montreal? Riders have their worst season ever. Or pardon me, Montreal. I, <laughs> I think, yeah, Montreal will make sure that Saskatchewan has the worst season ever. <laughs> All right, so eat some poutine. You're going Montreal. I'm going Saskatchewan. Uh, that does it. Episode 24, the two and out CFL podcast. The playoffs are right around the corner. Woo! I am so excited. My team's not in it, so it's just stress free watching playoffs. You know, kind of. Welcome to my life. <laughs> Welcome to my life. <laughs> Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Two and out CFL. Review. Subscribe. Download positively review us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week.